You're listening to a sermon from Red Door Church in Melbourne. For more information, go to reddoorchurch.com.au. Um, this morning, as Jimmy said, I'm going to be talking about the issues that's, been, that's sort of becoming an epidemic right in today's age. Um, something that's becoming an increasing issue in each generation, and that's an issue of worry and anxiety, which is something we all face. Now, I want to firstly distinguish this from forms of anxiety that stem from things like medical conditions, um, which is something completely different, right? But what I'm focusing on in this morning is the types of worry um, that's common to everyone. As our lives become more and more progressive or technologically advanced, we're constantly finding new ways to do things, new ways to live longer, new medicines, but for some reason, in that, worry has become an epidemic in today's age, right? Anxiety has been the trademark for today's world, and its rise, this rise in anxiety should um, concern us, even us in the church. Never before, looking at this, never before have we humans been able to so accurately predict the weather or like politics or economy and stuff like that, and yet we have been anxious like never before. We have never worried more than we do today. And so today we'll look briefly at where this stems from, um, what worry does to us, and what God wants us to do with it. And I'm not speaking this morning like someone who's like hacked it and I've figured all the worry out and I'm here to share with you my secrets. No, I woke up this morning, I couldn't even breathe, I was anxious. But this is all something we face. And because, let's be honest, Anxiety is just part of human life, right? It's part of being alive. You're not human if you don't worry or have anxiety from time to time. It's built into your DNA. It's part of what makes us human beings, right? Everyone will come to face with worry once or once in a while. If you've never been worried before about anything in your life, I'd be worried about that. You might want to get that checked. Everyone faces anxiety from time to time, right? I'm, I'm currently at university. I'm also working in a coffee shop. I'm here, and I'm a full-time procrastinator. It's just what I do. And so although this is sort of self-inflicted, I'm constantly fighting anxiety. I'm constantly worried, right? And sometimes this anxiety takes us into a deep, dark place, right? I always worry about deadlines, thinking, why did I leave that thing to the last minute? What is actually wrong with me? Something is wrong with me. What if it goes wrong? I'm going to fail. I should probably start looking for a different job right now. <laughs> you know, prepare myself for that blow. Or what if I can't pay my fees this semester or next semester? Right? I know for sure I'm not going to pay the semester two fees in 2020. I might as well just give up now. These are just my own anxieties that I probably think about once or twice a week, if not every day. And I know that yours will look quite different, right? Next week's rent, loan repayments, kids' school fees, things that adults worry about. You know, maybe you applied for a new promotion. Maybe you're anxious you won't get married. You won't find someone. Maybe you're anxious you will get married and you will find someone. <laughs> or perhaps you'll marry the wrong person. I won't, I'll stop right there in case get anyone into trouble. It's not a matter of if we worry, but when we worry. 
And so where does this come from? Now, as I touched on earlier, this is not the same as sort of like an anxiety disorder where sometimes it's impossible to know where it comes from, extreme forms of anxiety. Or sometimes it's it's biological, how you were raised, things, something you saw as a kid. But for those of us for whom this isn't a reality, where does our anxiety come from? Where does our worry and anxiety find its roots? And Jesus in this passage tells us pretty explicitly the root of our anxiety. And he tells us in verse 30, if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Friends, in other words, Jesus says that the root of much anxiety is little faith. Of unbelief, in the living God, our failure to trust the God who promises us much. Worry is ultimately, at its root, a matter of faith, of belief, right? Who are you going to believe? And as this unbelief grips at our very being, influencing our hearts, our minds, one of the results is anxiety. This is where that unbelief takes us. It takes us to nervousness, to sleeplessness, isolation, exhaustion. And ultimately, anxiety robs us of that peace that God has promised us. As his children, God promises us peace. And friends, as our world becomes increasingly anxious, day by day becomes more and more worried, let us hear in God's word his promises to us. We need a word from Jesus. Amen. This morning. We're going to spend this next little while um, looking at this passage in a bit more detail. So keep your Bibles open on Matthew 6. Um, But before we do that, let me pray for us. Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks to us even today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises that you have made to us, Father. These treasures hidden in your scriptures for us. Of your love your faithfulness, your peace. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will be with us this morning, opening our eyes. Let your light shine in our hearts, Father. Search out our hearts. Bring light to those places we'd rather be kept in the dark. Father, I pray that you drag out those things that we'd rather have hidden. Lord, I pray that you would be with us, and I pray that we would be encouraged this morning, trusting always in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. All right, let's open up this passage. So verse 25, let's go there. Jesus says, this will be in red, by the way, because it's more important, because Jesus said it. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes? Just looking at that, the first thing we should take out of that is that Jesus does not want you to be worried. He doesn't want you to be anxious. He doesn't want you to be anxious about your life or your body. And and so what does this mean? Well, let's look at what these things symbolize. Things like clothes, food, and drink. Let's look at clothes first. Most of the time, worrying about clothes is more to do with how we look, right? 
At least in our context in Caroline Springs, we don't worry that we literally don't own any clothes or we don't have any pants to wear. Thankfully, I've never had to suffer that, and I'm wearing pants today, and you guys all own pants. <laughs> Praise the Lord. That's a start. But most of the time, clothes represent our beauty, right? Our wealth, even. We're anxious about what we're wearing because of how we're going to look, what people are going to think of us. How about food and drinks? In one sense, they sort of represent comfort, right? They symbolize the joys of what it means to be alive, to be able to eat delicious food and drink on amazing drinks, sipping on nice drinks. We're prone to worry about these things because in them we find comfort. I mean, if you're anything like me, you sort of just live from meal to meal, right? And everything else is just a hurdle to get to the next meal, the next plate of food. I mean, have you ever felt that joy, you know, you finish work or you're leaving church and you know there's a plate of food waiting for you at home? Nothing brings me that kind of comfort. That's where we find that comfort. I mean, you know, what kids? Where's that steak I left? It's the first thing you walk into the door. But food and drink, as well as being a comfort, can also be seen as much more than that. Of course, it's the sustenance of our life. It's everything that we need to keep us alive, the thing that sustains our very existence as humans on this earth, food and water. Humans can survive around three weeks without food and three to five days without water. Now that varies depending on, you know, your exercise, your health levels and stuff, blah, blah, blah. But the point is, you need it, don't try it at home, then try and test this out. These are the basics of human life. And surely, if we're going to worry about anything, we should worry about these things. We should worry about water and food. And yet Christ calls us not to. He says, don't worry. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about what you're going to wear, whether your friends are going to laugh at you for wearing those shorts or whatever, or whether that shirt's going to make you look old. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, whether there's going to be a meal for you when you get home, whether there's water next week, whether you're going to stay alive for the next five days. And why? Christ asks us, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Man, how humbling is that question? Right, while we're losing sleep about our next outfit or our meals, where our meals are going to come from, Christ asks, is that what life's about? Food, comfort, survival even? And Jesus doesn't want an answer, by the way. It's, it's a rhetorical question. Of course life is more than food. The truth is life is more than comfort. Life is more than surviving. Right? Being given life is not about trying to sustain it for as long as possible. As morbid and sad as that might sound, life is not about staying alive. It's about more than that, right? It's about Jesus, all of it. You might have read that somewhere. All of life, all about Jesus, say that every Sunday. Glorifying, enjoying, sharing Jesus. Living is so much more than staying alive day to day. And likewise, the answer, of course, the body is more than clothes. 
God has given us beautiful bodies, all beautiful in their own unique ways, different features, colors, sizes. But too often, we're just filled with anxiety when we think you know, about our color, about our weight, about the shape of your fingernails or your hair. What I'm wearing tonight. The body is so much more than these things. As beautiful as you are, friends, your body is not about beauty. It's about Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be caring about these things, that we shouldn't be taking care of these gifts that God has given us. But what Jesus wants us to know is that these things aren't worth worrying over. Because ultimately, this isn't the purpose of your body. This isn't why God has given you the body. Because friends, let me tell you, what, what use is a body? Right? What use is your body? However well-dressed, however poorly dressed, however skinny, however fat, white or black, what use is a body if it's not used in the worship of the one who gave it to you? Right? This is the ultimate purpose for your body, to serve the Lord. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Of course it is. So let's keep going. He says in verse 26, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Yeah. Jesus calls us to look at birds. How crazy is that? <laughs> so, that's so much coffee before I got up. And we know by looking at birds that it isn't a lesson of like waiting around so God feeds us. It's a lesson because when you look at birds, you see how hard they work. They're among the hardest workers in the animal kingdom. I study this. Just kidding. You should trust me. I mean, they're constantly working, constantly looking for food, constantly building their nests, guarding their young. I mean, it, I think it was around this time last year, in all of my time in Australia, I got swooped for the first time by a magpie. I was riding, riding to work on my bike, you know, singing the praises of the Lord, and then it tacks me in, in the eye, right there. I was going to die. It was the worst day of my life. It hates me, and it hates you and your families. This is, but that's just them constantly working. This is them guarding their kids. They're the hardest working animals. But this constant toiling, this constant working is definitely a means, right? It's a means of obtaining food. We earn money to provide and to feed ourselves. Thanks, Kat. And, to, and those around us. But we must remember that although this work is a means of providing for our families, Provision ultimately comes from God. As our passage tells us, that for birds who work much harder than we do, much longer hours, they work, they just work, right? Not being worried about tomorrow or the next week. They're not storing anything in barns because God feeds them. And if God feeds them today, why wouldn't God feed them tomorrow or the next week? Right, why would they need to store anything? Amongst all this work that they do, all this toil, their food comes from God, and so does ours. 
In all of our work, right, nine to five, whatever shift you're working, sowing, reaping, it is ultimately God who feeds us. And if God fed you last week and God fed you this week, how can we work anxiously wondering whether God's going to feed us next week or tomorrow? Right? Birds don't worry about those things, and yet God feeds them. How much more should we be unworried about those things, confident that God will feed us, who you shouldn't be comparing to a bird, right? You can't even compare the two things, a duck or a pigeon. Because ultimately, and Jesus wants us to know, worry is utterly useless. It's pointless. Verse 27 He says, can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Ah, That's harsh. That's a hard one to listen to. And that's a question we should be asking ourselves often. Right? As harsh as it is, that's the truth. Worrying about something isn't going to take you anywhere. It's pointless. It's useless. It doesn't add a single hour to your life. If anything, it takes away from your life. I mean, a study published in 2008, um, researchers followed 1,600 men around at a university, ages 43 to 91, for 12 years, just to see how people with higher levels of anxiety would fare over that amount of time. And at the end of the study, after 12 years, only 50% of the men who had high levels of anxiety or worry were even alive compared to 75 to 85% of the people who had low levels of anxiety. Jesus calls us not to worry because he knows its futility. He, it won't take you anywhere. It's pointless. And he, and he goes on saying in, in 28, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Now the first thing we should know about that is that Solomon was crazy rich. right? The books of Chronicles and Kings take note of his immense wealth, the amount of tax that he got um, from foreign kings and from his own people. And I'm talking tons and tons of gold and silver. It is crazy. There was nothing that Solomon couldn't have if he wanted it. There would have been no one in the entire world that was dressed like King Solomon. And yet in this passage, Jesus doesn't compare Solomon to God or even to another king, but he compares him to flowers, to grass, which was used to light fires back in the day to cook your dinner. Now, of tons of silver and gold couldn't dress Solomon the way God dressed fuel for a furnace. Where, where are we going to put our faith? Who are we betting on in that? Where's our trust in that? Is our faith in the splendor of man, in gold, in silver, or in the God who dresses even the flowers of the field? Verse 31, he says, he goes on, So do not worry. What shall we eat? 
uh, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Again, Jesus calls us not to worry. Do not worry, he says, for the pagans run after these things. Worrying is what pagans do. Those who don't have their trust or their faith in Christ, this is what unbelievers do. And why wouldn't they? Right? If, if they don't worry, who else is going to worry? If your trust isn't in God, the creator of the universe, who sees the end from the beginning, everything that you have has to come from you, right? Everything you, you have has, has to come from your hands. And so you don't have a choice but to worry about things. And as for you, um, you of us today who, who have put your faith in Christ, you have a heavenly Father who knows that you need these things. You have a helper in heaven who knows that you need food, who knows that you need clothes. I mean, what, what relief this is meant to bring to those who are in Christ. Amen? Imagine the kind of lives we would live if we actually believed that God knew exactly what we needed. It would look completely different to those around us. And it's meant to. Worrying only makes sense for those who don't know their Heavenly Father. A Father who knows their every need. And so when we continue to worry, when we continue to be anxious, we're actually acting like pagans, Jesus says. We're actually acting like we don't know who God is. Or like God doesn't know what we need. Worry then consumes us. It eats us up inside because we think we've got to take this all on our own. And yet, we have a helper in heaven who holds all things in his hands, who we're actively trying to ignore, trying to push away while we're acting like pagans. Right? Instead, God's word tells us in 1 Peter that we ought to cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. How strange is that, if, to hold on to anxieties when Jesus, who sits on the throne of heaven, is offering to bear them for you and calls us not to be anxious. God, who knows your needs, is willing to bear your anxiety so that you don't have to. Right? Cast your worries to God then. Don't act like pagans. He goes on in verse 34, he says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Once again, Jesus calls us, don't worry. Now this might sound like some modern hippie stuff, but rather than worrying about tomorrow, Jesus calls us to live in today. Live in the moment, right? Be present. Be mindful of where God has placed you at this very point in time, in this room. Not about where God's going to place you tomorrow or in 10 years' time, but right now. Each day has been allotted by God its own troubles and its own pleasures. And we ought to pray every day, as Jesus taught us, that God would give us what we need for today, our daily bread, right? 
Let's not try, fa- try and face weeks' worth of trouble in a few days or in a single day. God separated our troubles for a, for a good reason. Right? If He didn't divide our troubles into days, we'd probably explode. We'd probably just combust. In grace, because of God's love for us, He has let us live trouble one day at a time. And yet for some strange reason, we'd rather live two days at a time. We'd rather live a week of trouble than one day. Right? As followers of Christ, we've got to trust that God will indeed give us strength to face tomorrow's trouble when they come. Right? That God will be God tomorrow like He is today. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. And in all these commands of what not to do, don't be anxious, don't worry about tomorrow. Christ also commands us what to do. He says in verse 33, don't be anxious, but instead seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Brothers and sisters, in all that you do, as good and productive as we may think them to be, our number one priority ought to be this. Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Right? Above all things, and indeed through all things, in everything we do, we are to seek God's will, God's purpose, the purposes of God in everything. God's kingdom and God's righteousness are to be for the Christian the lens through which we see everything, the lens through which we see the world. Amidst whatever our job calls us to worry about or our family calls us to worry about, our first priority ought to be honoring God in everything that we do, seeking first, first of all, His glory, worshiping Him as we cast all our anxieties on Him because He cares for us. And yet, let's not be misled. Anxieties will continue to come your way. Right? Jesus calls us in this passage not to be anxious, knowing full well that every day you will face anxiety. That anxiety, worry will continue to bombard you, probably for the rest of your life. hate to break it to you, but you're going to face some different kind of anxiety, some different kind of worry. And what's important is not to find ways to dodge all those, all those worries at all costs, but what to do when worry attacks. Because worry will attack you often. It will attack you frequently, and it wants to kill you. It'll kill you if it can. Your mind, it takes your mind, your health, your rest, and ultimately your peace. And yet God's word calls us, yet again in Philippians 4, Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul, as he writes to the church in Philippi, um, when we face anxieties, he calls us to two things. He calls us to prayer and to thankfulness. Right? When we are suffering, suffering at the hands of anxiety, when we're crippled by worry, God calls us to pray. Right? He, we have a heavenly Father in heaven who cares for us. He knows exactly what we need, who loves us, 
who has shown us mercy and who has shown us grace, let's not forget that we have his ear, right? His word says that he catches even our tears. He listens to our tears. Cry out to him then. Share your worries and your anxieties with him. Knowing that the one you're praying to can actually provide everything that you need. And that he is who he says he is. In Isaiah, when he says, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand, and says to you, Do not fear, I will help you. You've got to believe that. Right? Likewise, when we find ourselves in situations where we can feel nothing but anxiety, when nothing, you know, nothing changes the mindset, like an attitude of thankfulness. You know, as our minds choke itself into thinking that everything's going to go wrong, or everything's bound to go wrong, remind yourselves. Consider those things that have gone right, that have gone right, all those things that you have already received at God's hand. And be thankful for those. Right? Praise God for the clothes that you're wearing, if you're wearing clothes. That God woke you up that morning. That God has brought the sun up today. How good is that? Right? That God has called you from darkness into light. That he has washed you clean. Remind yourselves constantly in those dark times that your Father who loves you will indeed provide for you. And be thankful in what he has already provided for you. Right, brothers and sisters, anxiety, worry is going to lurk behind us, around us, all of our lives, deceiving us into forgetting uh, the God who has saved us, the God who loves us, telling us not to trust his promises, telling us not to consider the love he has for us, the price he paid for us. Anxiety will rob us of our peace. But friends, be encouraged this morning. Jesus sits on the throne of heaven, bearing our anxiety so that we don't have to. Right? So with hearts of prayer and thanksgiving, cast your worries on him because he cares for you. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Friends, God has promised us peace that cannot even be understood. This is kind of gross, my nose is running let's not let our unbelief rob us of that peace that God has promised us, right? Thank you. That was kind of gross. I'm going to make you guys look at that ever again. Let's not let unbelief rob us of that, of that promise. But let's rejoice, friends, right? Let's rejoice in God's promises that in Christ we have been brought into an anxious free kingdom, Trusting in a good and sovereign King, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Friends, let me pray for us as the band comes up. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your promises you have made to us all throughout Scripture. That we have nothing to fear, Lord. That you are our shepherd. We have nothing to fear. Father, remind us always that you have all things in your hands, that you are sovereign over all things, and that we should trust you with all our worries, not only because you are capable of them, not only because nothing is impossible with you, but because you actually love us, you actually care for us. Father, let our hearts be encouraged by your Holy Spirit.
in that truth. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.